my favorite person on earth. Thank you so much for being here today and for caring enough to listen to all of my rambling thoughts. If you're here today, you're probably listening through either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The great news is that this is the very first time that I have been featured on both of these platforms. So if you like this content and you are interested in supporting my dream, please do the simple task of following me if you're on Spotify, subscribing to the podcast if you're on Apple Podcasts, and leaving a rating. Maybe write a review if you're feeling generous. And most importantly, please spread the word to any of your friends who you think would love listening to me decipher the complexities of being a human. Now I wish you a fantastic fucking time as we delve into the world of friendships. The ties that bind. An expression so simple, so pure, so definitive in its depiction of forged bonds between beings. You assume that those ties are permanent, that the bind is forever. I mean, loneliness being one of the greatest human pains, the last thing you want to do is cut these ties. And yet, as you get older and life becomes increasingly complicated, you discover that there is so much more to relationships than your middle school BFFL had you thinking. The spectrum reveals itself to be vast, and your position on it is so transient. Between the undulations of love and friendship and family and conflict and severance, you find out that there are ties that bind, but there are also ties that break. And there are also ties that bend. My name is Romina. Thank you for tuning in. And this is Going Mental. I found that in my 20s, the life I had built for myself started to undergo a massive recon of sorts. There have been a lot of casualties, most of which I'm not proud of, but I'll get into that later. But coming out of undergrad, being released into the real world like some sort of a caged dove and realizing that it was nothing like the mirage of adulthood that college had me fantasizing about... I mean, that shit sent me spinning into a next-level identity crisis. I struggled to find my light in the workplace, to identify my vocation. I didn't quite grasp how strong my creative urges are and how intensely they were squelched by the office jobs I was told I belonged in. That internal struggle oozed onto almost all other parts of my life, and I really found myself questioning everything. Am I in the right career field? Am I living in the right country? Am I finding myself in the right company? Things that brought me joy during the first 20 years of my life, like certain music genres, going out for drinks, chipotle burritos, suddenly they all became unfulfilling. The people in my life that I once felt so comfortable around, their company felt different. And I really wondered if they understood me 
As I started to build this this new independent life and continue to question everything, even my relationship with some of my family members became strained. I mean, really, it was so intense. The only urge that matched this sort of need to find myself was the yearning to purge. I'm talking political opinions, belief systems, behavior patterns, and yes, relationships. I've been embarrassed to share this dilemma I had with most people because I feel guilty. What kind of self-absorbed asshole wants to cut off her family, her friends, the very principles that shape her identity for some sort of an unidentified reason and then has the gall to follow through with it? I must be selfish. I must be flaky. I must be some sort of treacherous, especially because everywhere I looked around me, everyone else seemed to be so consistent vigorously upholding their old friendships. I mean, scheduling these epic reunions that I just like marveled at on Instagram, staying true to the persona that they had been donning since they were teenagers. Whereas on my end, I found myself so disheartened by my meetups with so many of my old friends, by the seeming lack of flow and harmony that we once shared, by the way that they seemed to stamp their expectations of old Romina onto me and refused to acknowledge my confusion and engage with me in in trying to make sense out of this weird quarter century crisis or metamorphosis or whatever you call it, that disappointment turned into resentment and eventually into dread. I began to avoid so many of my old friends. Just as I turned my back on the music and food and activities that no longer appeal to me, I've been doing the same to my loved ones. So if things once used to feel right and natural and proper and no longer feel that way, why not take a deep dive into exploring who I used to be? The way I developed during my formative years in school turned out to be quite passive when I think about it. Things, events, people, they all happened to me, and I would just accept and respond accordingly. This tactic served me well. I adapted to American culture at lightning speed as a little immigrant child, and I performed beautifully under the super restrictive guidelines imposed on me at my really elite school, and I was a dedicated, dutiful daughter at home. My submissive nature garnered me a lot of praise from all directions, but what I'm realizing now is that that kind of behavior was stemming from a place of self-preservation not knowing better. My sense of agency, on the other hand, was significantly lacking. Because I wasn't raised under the circumstances that helped me learn to flex and harness my independence and autonomy, I didn't see and understand myself with enough conviction to be able to move through the world assertively. So I really just went wherever the wind blew me and accepted whatever friendships and relationships came to me naturally. And I think finally being on my own in my 20s was as shocking as it has been because I was finally put in the position to live deliberately and actively. 
And in so doing, I learned that a lot of the ties I had forged until then were not really active decisions. Who am I to people and why do I attract the kind of people and relationships that I have until this point? I remember speaking with my therapist once when I was feeling super exasperated about the fact that a lot of people were turning to me and counting on me to be their like support system in their time of like really intense trauma. And I was like, why, what am I doing that all of the friends that approach me are people who just need comfort from me? Why am I not surrounded by friends who just want to have fun with me or friends who want to stimulate me mentally or friends who want to go on adventures? Like what am I, what, what, what kind of vibes am I giving off, I guess? And her answer, which I really didn't like was like attracts like. So you're the type of person who right now is processing her own trauma and ruminating on like this deep well of emotions. And as a result, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously, you're giving off that sort of a vibe and people who are in a similar place want your help processing it. So fast forward to today, a lesson that has revealed itself to me in this past year alone is that the ties we form between ourselves and friends, colleagues, retail clerks, and that person sitting across from us on the train are all built on a foundation of this initial energy exchange. At any moment, we have an internal need that we're looking to fulfill. You could be starving or running late or going through a tough time and like your entire being is emanating sadness. And so we're constantly scanning our surroundings for cues that we found the answer to our problems, sometimes in another person. This is happening all the time. And 98% of the time, it's an unconscious brain process that we're not even aware of. We're not going to be able to sit here and say, oh, the reason Becky and I fuck with each other is because the day that we met, she said she hated cancer men. And a day later, the cancer guy I was dating started ghosting me. And so I felt safe enough around her to vent about it. And now we're cool. But it is these small formative exchanges, whether we're aware of them or not, that set the foundation for the binding ties to grow upon. In my personal experience, I know that I've always been outgoing and bubbly and just eager to spark connections. This meant that the majority of people I've ever interacted with felt they could trust me pretty early on and wanted to establish some sort of a relationship, especially the people who were the most desperately in need of attention, validation, and affirmation. I'm only now realizing that by offering that to people so eagerly and so early on, I've invited some massively draining and one-sided relationships in my life. Some of my friends would see me engaging in these like overly intimate exchanges with strangers and they'd roll their eyes like, why are you inviting this kind of energy over here right now, Romina? And my response has always been, because treat others as you want to be treated, a uh, no shit, 
Going back to the formative principles of my childhood, my mother instilled in me the notion that I have to lead with kindness. What she didn't teach me is how to discern and filter the kind of energy I want to welcome into my life, aka of boundaries. Now, no shade to my mom. Bless her soul. She taught me the best she knew. Times were way different in Albania than they were in the U.S. And she and I have had many conversations as we have both learned about the importance of boundary setting. But turns out there's a certain wisdom that comes with kindness the kind that helps you direct your energy toward the spaces that really warrant it while protecting you from those that are no good for you. It's certainly not as black and white as this is a good person and they will light up your life and this is an evil person and they will fuck up your shit. But going back to the concept of energy exchange, it comes down to is the need you're trying to fulfill aligned with the need that this other person is trying to fulfill for themselves? Most of the time, you won't be able to find the answer to that question until you've spent a good chunk of time with this person. But until then, it doesn't hurt to keep these discerning boundaries alert and activated until you can decide with confidence that this is a tie that you want to be binding. Now, going back to the casualties I mentioned... Part of my voracious shedding was fueled by all these posts about cutting off toxicity that I read from the wellness and social advocacy accounts I followed on social media. The content always came dressed up as these epic campaigns for self-care and healing, coming to terms with my own mental health issues while simultaneously reeling from the political unrest that I tuned into as a college activist. This made me the prime target. Are people in your life being problematic? Did you know you have the agency to cut them off? I felt empowered. The advice felt so reasonable. Life is too short to entertain relationships that bring you harm, no matter how cemented they might be. So, in this zealous quest to heal my emotional trauma and break free from the past versions of myself that I no longer identified with, I hastily identified certain ties as not being worth my time, and I broke them by ghosting. The way I approached my wounded relationships was reckless, unkind, and cowardly. These binding ties, these long-standing and profound relationships we create with other humans when they are suffering they are deserving of careful thought and considerable effort to mend as i learned about these boundaries and discovered all the ways that mine were being violated I responded by slamming these massive iron gates in the face of people whom I perceived to be the violators. Some of them were totally deserving of it, for sure. But my real friends, the ones who hadn't done anything deliberately to hurt me, the ones whose error was just no longer being compatible with me at the stage of growth that we were both in, they represent the ties that bend. I 
really think that by the time we reach our expiration, each and every one of us is going to get a taste of being the person who needs to cut the ties just as much as we'll experience being the person who desperately needs to keep them intact. And it goes back to energy exchange. A meaningful relationship is formed when the people involved are providing something for one another that is fulfilling each person's need at that time. I emphasize the timing because of the recurring transformation that happens in us every several years. They say it takes seven years for most of ourselves to fully replace themselves in your body. That's like a whole new body. So if you can physically transform, it shouldn't be hard to believe that you can also transform on a mental, emotional, even spiritual plane just as often. And it's why I like to look back at my life in phases, each of which comes with its own unique physiological, mental, and external circumstances that I was abiding by. The friends we made when we were in high school are likely to be in a completely different place in their mid-twenties. And so are we. The circumstances under which we built those bonds are non-existent anymore. And so the exchange that we are now willing to engage in with each other is totally up in the air. You could still be compatible and love one another and like get along great, or you actually might not be able to stand each other. On a personal note... I had a few codependent friendships in my formative years in which I assumed the dominant position and sort of almost shepherded my friends through the day-to-day. Now that pattern has repeated itself quite a few times to this day, but with every passing experience, I've gotten better at being able to identify the dysfunction earlier on and nip it in the bud. And my most recent challenge has been working up the courage to shut people down from the jump when I feel like they're overstepping, which for a person as passive and accommodating as me is a massive challenge and also a massive feat when I'm able to pull it off without making enemies for myself. So all this to say, it's a journey. But as it turns out, the reason my friends weren't able to help me decipher these massive changes that I was feeling is because they were undergoing the same sort of transformation and still are. We all are transforming, always. But anyway, in this instance, I'm talking about the typical early to mid-20s growing pains of figuring out your career and your place in the world and having to do your own laundry before you're plumb out of socks and undies. This is the kind of shit that makes you question everything in a way that I imagine all major life changes from here on out are going to send our sense of self way up into the stratosphere where the veil between who we are and the infinite possibilities of who we could be start to bleed into each other. Nothing feels certain. So I wasn't right to resent my friends for not picking up on my crisis and helping me make sense out of it. And that's just the beginning of it. Earlier, I posited whether I'm disloyal and unkind for shunning friends with whom I no longer vibe. 
And the answer is very glaringly yes. I was hasty. I was avoidant. I was passive. And I was cowardly. Those friendships that really meant something, they deserve effort. They deserve arguing and fighting and days spent feeling anxious about the fight and even a big old breakup if it leads to that. Not some half-assed, sorry, I'm just so busy. I'm just going through something. And for those of us who are guilty of having done this, we have a lot of courage and integrity building work ahead of us. I definitely think there's a making amends episode in my near future. (laughs) But the super fucked up thing is that I don't have a hack for putting friendships on hold while you go through your changes. Just so you can come back at the end and be like, okay, I am done with my system updates and can resume our friendship now. The ideal scenario where you're both simultaneously swept away in your personal growth and just know that you'll be there ready to rehash all of it when you're on the other side is so rare. It's just inevitable that someone is going to be hurt. They will carry on in their own journey and quite possibly won't be interested in picking up where you left off down the line. And they damn well may hate you for abandoning them. But you have to be true to yourself. We are so severe about laying down the law with our romantic partners when they violate the rules of our relationship because self-respect and boundaries, right? Well, if we're holding our friendships to this same standard of a high-functioning and fruitful relationship, shouldn't we be just as eager to stand up for ourselves here? Our bodies give us physical signs that we're in the presence of someone who is detracting from our joy. Do you ever find yourself yawning excessively or feeling drowsy, not being able to keep up conversation like you normally do, acting manic, agitated, running around, sweating, just generally behaving oddly around certain people? That's literally your nervous system signaling to you that you're in a state of stress and to either duke it out or flee the situation. When you start to feel that way around people that you seriously call your friends, that's when it's time for a hearty dose of introspection, followed by a serious convo. You owe it to yourself and to your friends to speak up when it's just not working, to work together to try to find a solution, and to be honest about when it's time to bend. And honestly, I'm a big advocate for the bend. There are some lessons and messages that come to us over an extended period of time, but they often start with just this like vague sense you have, just a feeling that something is off and different, but you can't see what it is until you're on the other side of what has turned out to be like a major life event that showed you what was missing or wrong. It's okay to return to things, to let life teach you over time but we have to be willing to return to them, to not leave them fractured and unsolved. I mean, sometimes the lesson is that the relationship was beyond repair and that the tie needs permanent breaking. I like to think this is what those self-care posts were all about, breaking free from toxic bonds. But the optimist in me likes to think that a tie forged in true love can always be reignited. Now one final and very important thing. 
on the importance of distinguishing between ties that break and ties that bend. Just like I learned that my childhood passiveness and overaccommodation led me to a pattern of relationships that were imbalanced, any one of us can do the same kind of retrospective exercise to pinpoint the overarching themes in the relationships and the formative childhood habits that enabled them. I've met a lot of people whose friends behave in really shitty ways around them, like fully toxic and not okay. And the issue is that they're always just too deep into the friendship to do anything about it. Too comfortable. Too in love. Because I do think platonic love is just as serious as romantic love. Too deeply buried in the dynamic to uproot it. I just want to ask, do you think you deserve this kind of treatment? Was there a time when the dynamic was healthier than this? Do you see a realizable future in which this kind of behavior is resolved? If the answer to two out of three of these questions is no, then sister, it is time to drum up the courage you've been stifling and admit to yourself before anyone else that this relationship is a tie that needs breaking. The hardest part about being true to yourself like this is when you have to practice it in a long-established friendship. But the most rewarding part of it is that when you've gotten so in tune with yourself, you can actually sniff out the people and events and environments that don't serve you before the energy exchange has even had a chance to gain momentum. Trust. The best feeling in the whole entire world is being confident that you've got your own fucking back. And that, bitches, is the tie that binds. 